Welcome to the Third Space Podcast. I'm your host, Faiza Farah. This week has been a wild week. I don't know how everyone else is doing. This pandemic seems to be surging on. Um, we got the release of Black is King from Beyonce. It felt like a really big moment. And just earlier today, there were uh, bombings or an explosion in Lebanon. There's so much that is really unclear about what's happening there. And the world just seems really, really, really uncertain and and scary. I, I hope that this interview is a bit of levity and you get a chance to kind of just take a pause from any of the challenges you might be facing in your day-to-day life. And this is like a little bit of a respite and and a um, little mental vacation. Um, my guest today is a musical R&B superstar, Samo. If you're unfamiliar with him and his work, stop right now. Just press pause on this podcast and go listen to his music, then come back and listen to this interview. He's an extremely talented musician and uh, such an inspiration to speak to, uh, hearing about his upbringing and and some of the challenges in his life, and to hear about where he is right now is really, really beautiful. Um, there were so many takeaways from, from this interview, but one of the major takeaways is is oftentimes when you hear someone's story, it it there's an upward trajectory, you know, something happens, some of the challenges, and then they kind of keep going up, and then there's another challenge, but then they keep rising, and and he is a, sh- a shooting star, no doubt, um, but his 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 story is full of kind of these moments that feel like they could be crippling. But with determination and 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 your heart and mind in in what you love, um, you, the the path is cleared for you to move forward. And he's such a, a testimony to that. And if you are a fan of his work and you're really familiar, we we talk about a lot of his influence. Um, you can't listen to his work and and not hear his church background. And so we we talk about his relationship to the church and some of the inspirations that he pulls from those experiences. And I just think you guys are going to love this conversation. So without further ado, this is my conversation with Samo. Please enjoy. show. Um, I've just been such a huge fan of your work. Uh, yeah, for for some time now. And yeah, there's just something really, uh, obviously soulful about your work, but also 
uh, really, really genuine. And I think for anyone out there that's an artist and or maybe not not an artist and you're struggling to find your voice as a person, I'm I'm curious, like, how did you get to a place where you cultivated a voice that was really you? It took some time. <laughs> but it took me being in isolation, not um, in a scary way or in a way of like not talking to anybody, but just isolation of indulging so much in what other people are doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I I remember reading something about, I think it was like Ray Charles or something. And he was talking, oh no, or, or maybe Stevie Wonder talking about like mimicking other artists and just like having such a diet of high caliber musicians. And you just start to mimic them because you love them so much. And the idea of being in isolation makes sense. It's like, you got to remove all of that to kind of find yourself. I want to, I want to go back. I want to find out a little bit more of your origin story. Where did you grow up? Um, uh, your, your sound uh, has like a very clear uh, church influence. So I'm curious if you had a church upbringing, let me, let me know all about you. For sure. I definitely grew up um, in Wilson, North Carolina. It's a small town. I think they're, they're called a city now because they have a Walmart. <laughs> so, yeah. We're on the map now. Um, it was very simple. And it mm. was very like, um, just very down home, fried chicken, collard greens, macaroni and cheese, baked macaroni and cheese. <laughs> Um, my mom played the organ at a church, a home church, Brown Chapel, Free Will Baptist Church. And my grandmother was over the choir. So I was always at choir rehearsal. And just hearing the organ and the voices, I was always so interested in how they collided together in harmony. And I was super, super intrigued by it. I'm I'm curious about that experience because um a, a lot of a lot of musicians that we we love that that either are in um R&B or blues have a, a deep church connection but I wonder what that experience was like you know um uh, your mother was musical as well. So I'm sure you got that influence from her, but do you remember the first time you either performed at church or had like a really kind of moving experience while you were in church? I do. The first time I ever felt anything, I was sitting in my aunt's lap at church and my grandmother was singing this song. I don't remember the song, but I remember her just shaking her head and singing. And it was almost like she was outside of herself. Like I didn't, I knew I wasn't looking at my grandmother at the moment. Mm. It was, um, I was so like intrigued by the moment. Cause it was like, everybody was on one accord. Everybody was one in that moment. And I knew whatever that was, I wanted more of that. 
but it was the first time I felt like, mm. right. I was like, um, mm, this is something like I couldn't describe yeah. it because I was a kid at the time, but I knew whatever that was, that's where I wanted to be. Yeah, there there is something beyond any particular faith. There is something that is really magical. It feels like, I mean, it, it's the spirit. It also feels like the presence of God, that sense of oneness. So, yeah, it, being struck by that as a child must have been a really formative experience because that was your grandmother, but that wasn't your grandmother. Exactly. <laughs> you know? And and so when did when did you go from being uh an audience member that was in awe to to performing? I'm assuming you performed at church. You began performing at church. I did. It was um I think I was around three and my aunt told me what? Well, before I well, kinda sorta three. I didn't perform, but I was in the, the tub and I was singing my aunt's name. She was giving me a bath. And she went back and told my mom and my grandmother, like, hey, Samoa can sing. Like, he was singing it. He was singing my name and he sounded good. <laughs> the next week, I was in the choir. I mean, the next, like, I don't even remember not being in the choir. Wow. So I started, I was young back then, so I was singing in the soprano section. Then as I got older, I moved to the um, the alto section. Then I ended up being a tenor once that voice changed. But I would say around five years old, I probably led um, Now Behold a Lamb by Kurt Franklin. Wow. That's so, that's wild. That's so, yeah. so, so young. And that only could have happened because of your musical family as well. Mm -hmm. um, they they were obviously very, very encouraging. You went from saying, singing your auntie's name to being on the choir in a week. Um, that's really cool. And, and so when did you go from performing in the choir and uh, solely performing at church to maybe writing and, and performing outside of church? I wrote this song for somebody's wedding. Actually, it was my cousin. She was getting married. And uh, I was around 11 and I was like, well, I want to, I want to sing a song that I wrote because I had started flipping songs I heard on the radio into my own songs. Like I was like, I feel like they should have said this or they could have did this or they could have sung <laughs> it this way. And uh, I remember singing a song for my mom and she was like, hmm, that's good. But she didn't give me the reaction fully that I wanted. So then I started writing more songs and I would like sing them to her until she'd be like, okay, now that's a good one. Mm. Yeah, that's oh, what that's... I wrote. Wow. And yeah, that's that's so, so rad, you know, because a lot of parents would be like, yeah, that's fantastic, Timmy. You did mm -hmm. a great job, you know? <laughs> and, and for your mom to be honest, like, okay, that's good, but... And that that's usually something that inspires, you know, a young person to 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 continue doing what they're doing so they can please their parents. Um, OK, so then so then you're writing a song for your cousin and 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 then what happens? How do you go from from 
you know, being in the church and performing in the church and writing sometimes to, to feeling like, you know, there's something here that's, that's bigger than something that I'm doing a few nights a week or six nights a week. I mean, maybe this, this is my career. This is my path. This is my purpose. Mm. Most people will call what I'm about to say, um, church hurt, but <laughs> I don't, um, me with the mindset I have now, understand that it was, um, just growth. I was performing when I was singing at church and, um, uh, it was like a, a youth night or something like that. And we call it exhortation. Um, that's what I was doing. Like, you know, when you're in the spirit and you're singing and I was saying, you know, God, even though I'm not able to experience having my earthly father, I have you as my father. Hmm. And apparently that was too much to share at the church that I was at. And some of the the older people, the elders came to me and they um, talked to me after the service and was like, that was too much. You shouldn't have done that. And it just didn't resonate with me. I was like, how was expressing myself too much? Mm, to God. Yeah. And in that moment, I knew that I don't think I'm supposed to be singing in here. Right. And I know most people be like, no, that's not what it means. But that's exactly what it meant for me. And my life has shown that to be true because of how it's gone. And I'm just so glad that I didn't, um, I don't look at those people and I'm like, y'all, I, I don't like y'all. I hate y'all. Cause y'all won't let me sing what I want to sing at church. I take it as thank you for directing me where I'm supposed to be. Mm. And that's such an important lesson because oftentimes we have things that happen to us and, and, and we label them as bad things, you know, mm-hmm. because they produce pain in that moment but you're right it's like we don't have we don't have that that uh, reference of, of time passing so we can turn around and say actually that moment was a catalytic moment that got me going in that direction and that was the direction of love and peace and harmony and purpose and so that wasn't a bad moment you know and uh it really does sound like although that was a a painful thing to be so vulnerable, to be so connected and plugged in and to sing something so honest and for that to be rejected, you know, amongst people that you trust and love, that's a painful, that's a painful experience, you know, but for you to take that with, with uh, graciousness and, and, and then build a career, it's beautiful as, as a person that's a fan of your work, that's really moving to hear because, uh, you know, there are moments where you, you I'm listening to an album and a song and it feels like a testimony and I'm crying. I'm sure this happens to a lot of your fans. <laughs> it's just like crying, listening to the song, crying. And, and because it just feels so authentic and real and, and it's hitting, hitting something really kind of deep and healing something like a wound that's, that's really deep. So, so to hear that, that, that there was a point in your life where someone try to stop you from from sharing that vibration it's wild that's wild um so so you had that experience and you realize okay this is this this might not be the place where i get to share 
my particular gift. What did you do then? I stopped making music. I stopped singing for a little while Mm. and I um, started making t-shirts. I had a clothing line called Pluto and I would paint stuff on the shirts and I was selling the shirts for like $10. And my mom came to me. We were living uh, in the projects at the time. This was like our third project, by the way. Um, <laughs> we was moving up to like the worst projects to the better one, then the next to the better one. <laughs> but we was we was moving up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we were on our third project, and um, she knocked on my door, and she was like, "You got to do something other than painting t-shirts." And at first, me being me, I'm like, yo, you coming for me. You coming for my art. I'm an artist. <laughs> but it's my and mom. I'm sensitive. Yeah, I'm sensitive about my stuff. You know, but I was like, you know what? Let me listen. This is my mom. And she was like, you either need to go to school, the military, or you need to get a job. Mm. And so I was like, okay, I don't want any other jobs in this small town. I'll go to the military. So I, so I was going to sign up for the Navy. I went to take this test three times. <laughs> the first time, I didn't have my um, like my birth certificate or something. So they said, just come back next week. Went back the next week. The system was down. They said, come back next week. I went back the next week. The system was down again. So... My mom's manager at the time looked at me when we got back in the car. He was like, I don't think you're supposed to go into the Navy. <laughs> he said, I've brought you here three times, and I don't think you're supposed to go to the Navy. And I actually, to this day, I take that, and I use that for everything. Like, if if it's three times and it don't work out, I'm backing away. I'm backing away. So... I went to New York to audition to sing background for Lady Gaga. Wow. But I went on the wrong day. My homeboy told me the wrong day. He sent me on the day after the singers and they were going to let me do it. But some other people showed up and they was like, yo, I want to audition you, but I do you. I got to do them to keep it fair. So I'm like walking down the street in New York randomly, like around 14th Street. And I get a random call from um, the Art Institute of New York City for me to come in and see if I want to go to their school. And I'm like, I ain't really trying to go to school in New York. But I went and they instantly let me in, which I should have, you know, gave them the eye like, how y'all instantly let me in? (laughs) But that's neither here nor there. I'm still alive. I survived, you know what I'm saying? Um, Do you know that I was trying to get into the army three times? (laughs) (laughs) Listen. Um, so I got in and I ended up moving to New York to go to school for design. Still wow. not doing music. Still not doing music because I'm like, oh, I'm done. If I ain't popped off by now, you know, it's over. Because my dream used to be to be a child star. I just thought <laughs> that was so cool. Um, You're like now 20 at this point. <laughs> if I'm not Justin Bieber, it's it. If I'm not, if I'm not little Michael, that's it. I ain't gonna be able to be a big star because I'm not little Michael. 
<laughs> already ain't got a Jackson five. So yeah, I just thought it was over. But I went to school for design, ended up getting um kicked out due to not having um money, which mm-hmm. I understand you gotta pay to learn in college. So I was really devastated though, because I only had like one semester left. And after uh. that, I just um I just started back making music. I actually made music while I was in college. And I dropped a, a project on Dat Piff. Now, I'm, I don't know if you know what Dat Piff is, but it's for, like, rap and hip-hop artists. And I dropped a whole singing project on Dat Piff. That just lets you know what my mentality is. <laughs> I always thought I was a rap star. I just In my head, I'm like, I'm, I'm a rapper. I know I sing, but I'm a rapper. So... Well, it kind of sounds like you're singing, rapping on Yellow Diamonds a little bit. Just a little bit. You know? <laughs> a little, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so wild. Wow, that's so, so wild. Well, now it makes sense that like your visuals and, and you know, your, your clothing and all of the visuals for, for your projects uh, seem really in lockstep with, with your... You know, I I don't know who you are, but like your your um, your artist persona, you know, it seems like that's been really cultivated. And so it makes sense that you've had like, I mean, from the very first shitty project home to the mm-hmm. nicer project home. It's like you were still you were doing this this kind of design work and and it and it shows in your work right now, too. Um, so so you were having a bit of an existential crisis didn't know if you were an RB singer or rapper or needed to finish school and you dropped some work on what was the platform called? Dat Piff. Dat Piff. Okay, I'm going to look that up you later. You got to look it up. You gotta look it. <laughs> I love Dat Piff for what they have done for the culture, but the fact that I dropped an R&B project on Dat Piff. You weren't trying to have anyone listen to it is what it sounded like. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> And so how was the reception? You know, what was what was what was it like? You dropped the project and what happened? So I dropped the project and at the time uh I had to do it on like it was like twenty maybe twenty twelve. I had to drop it with a download link on a certain website. I got sixteen hundred downloads. And wow. I sound I sound hype because I'm like, yo, why does who these sixteen who these sixteen hundred people? <laughs> And um, the response was dope. Even people on that piff, the five people that heard it, um, they all liked it. Wow. And I had a listening party and it was packed. People was at the listening party and they was asking me like, um, like one of my friends, she was like, hey, whose party is this? I was like, it's mine's. And she was like, no, seriously, whose party is this? I'm like, girl, it's mine's. I just released this, my album release. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, look at the cake. It saved my name. She was like, oh my gosh. I just came because I heard the music. So, you know, that's the perks of being new at something. Nobody knows it's, it's you. Well, yeah, yeah. And and you get an opportunity to kind of just like, yeah, invent your yourself and, and create a voice. And yeah, there's something uh, so honest about your work 
you know, really, really honest. And I wonder if your music is oftentimes autobiographical or, are, are, you know, are you kind of barring the stories or whatever of your friends or people around you or, or things that happen? Because it feels very, very, very personal. It is personal. It's, um, how can I say? It's like um, giving a piece of yourself away into the, the, the world, the universe. Mm. It's a, a piece that um you cherish, but you you want to help in a sense. I didn't I don't make music be like with the intention of I'm gonna help people. <laughs> people need me. I was never that. It's just like like if you said something to me and I was like, mm, I resonate with it. I needed that. I ain't know you felt that way. That it would hit home for me. And I think that's what people feel like. Yo, Samo, I thought I was the only one that felt this way. Right, right. Yeah. And do you do you feel like it's cathartic to just kind of feel it, experience it, and and then let it go in the music? Or do you or does it feel like it's a piece of you that's gone? It feels like when a project first drops, it always feels like you're you're about to show a part of your body that you're like, no, this is my private area. You can't do this. <laughs> Even on the phone records. Um, mm. But it's empowering. I will say that um, every project that I do, I go through a spiritual experience. What what I'm what I'm used to calling is like spiritual warfare, um, and it can show up in my body as a cold, or it can show up as like um random aches and pains in my back, and I be now I, it's this project that I just finished, um, that I took note to like mm, every time I go to record something, I um like a, a body of work. I go through something spiritually. And what confirmed it was my producer. Uh, he said to me the other day, he was like, y'all, every time you do a project, it's like you go through something spiritual. And I just looked at him like, yo, this is creepy. And you hadn't shared that with him before? I had not shared that with him before. Oh, wow. So what what do you think it is? Like, what 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 do you think is happening for you is it is it the creation process that makes it feel like a spiritual moment, or do you feel like you are experiencing something deeply spiritual and that is inspiring you to then create work? I think if I could compare it to anything, um, God created the in the Bible it talks about God creating the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day He rested. God rested. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm like, so, well, why did God rest? Why was God tired? He did a lot, <laughs> you know? Um, and I think when we are creating anything, even this podcast, it takes something out of you. So something new can be imparted in you for you to be able to move forward. I completely agree with that, actually. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, yeah, 
but 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 that feeling that you expressed about like wow this is this is my private part that I'm exposing mm-hmm. is so real. I, I think with anything that you create, if, and especially if you're trying to be honest and authentic, you do feel like you're op- opening a part of yourself that you um, oftentimes discard and protect and don't show a lot of people. And then, and then you make it a kind of public commodity, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a scary, that's a scary thing. I'm I'm curious um, since you mentioned that the creative process was really a spiritual process for you. What, like what, what does spirituality and faith look like for you? Since having that experience with the church, but still, it's it's you know the spirit and and spirituality and faith still seem to have such a huge role in your creation process and and I'm assuming your life uh what does it look like now for you for me I understand that I am a spiritual being having a human experience and with being a human we are birthed into different cultures so me knowing that has stopped me from growing up in a Christian household, which I got a lot of learning and teaching from, mm-hmm. it has stopped me from growing up in a household like that and judging a Muslim for being right. Muslim or right. a Buddhist for being um, who they are and believing what they believe and understanding it at the start and at the end of the day, meaning when we are born and when we die, we are human beings. Well, and um, Did I, I answer the question. I yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, and I think that uh, I mean, I, I, I really, really deeply agree with with that sentiment. I'm actually Muslim, so I'm glad that you <laughs> that you have this perspective. But um, it it always like I I grew up in the culture of Islam, mm-hmm. and so and also the faith but but it was so much the the faith has so much to do with my family connection the connection of the community that i grew up with mm-hmm. and so and so i i remember really kind of early on in my life thinking like with all of these billions of people there can't just be one path to 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 god it just doesn't it it, it it just can't be. I'm not that arrogant to think that the path that I'm on is the only path to God. And despite the fact that we all might disagree on who that being is, that being is still singularly themselves, mm-hmm. no matter what we <laughs> call him, you know? Um, and I think that, um, I think knowing, knowing that like, it's, it, it's by chance that you're born in that family. It's by chance that I'm born in my family and that we can still, again, have, you know, that we can still be spiritual beings having a kind of human experience um, and, and let go of those things. I think this is why I, I created this podcast. It just felt really important to create a kind of third space. This is why the podcast is called The Third Space. I, I really wanted to create something where people felt like they could move away from binary thinking like left and right or white and black or blue and red and like put ourselves in these boxes because again we are human beings you know and what is that what does that look like when we tap in to that 
humanity, you know? Yeah. Um, I think music has a huge role in that. Um, and uh, I'm curious, how how did you kind of overcome the 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 challenges of like picking a path and knowing like no i'm going to make music i just had my my album release my very first album release party it went really well and 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 i'm sure you had a lot of excitement about this new potential career how what was it like to experience kind of your first setback or or, or disappointing moment in in that in in that chosen path that you're on. Hmm. The first setback that I remember in dealings with uh, music career is the second project that I did. I put it out, and I only got nine. Only nine people bought it. Hmm. That thing about ripped me to shreds. Because I was like, I got 1,600 downloads on the last joint. Why on this project, only nine people bought it? I don't understand. Oh, it must not be meant. I'm not, I'm not supposed to do this. And um, some of my friends was telling me, like, oh, you just got to keep going. Or, you know, most artists don't pop until the, the fifth or sixth project. And I'm like, that's so long from now. Like, I, don't know, I need to, I need to pop off now because I'm working three jobs. And I was creating from a place of frustration. And creativity is um is a being within itself, I believe. And you have to come with pure intentions. And so the fact that I was doing it to blow up, I did it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, but but uh, to to take you a little off the hook, I mean, you're you are grinding, literally grinding, mm-hmm. working three jobs, you know, and and trying to 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 fuel your your passion, and you put that energy in that work, and it doesn't it doesn't blow in the way that you expect it to blow, you know, even let's say you even had the the best of intentions and you were creating like high caliber work. Oftentimes like we could be showing up and doing everything that we have to do. And still that rejection comes, mm-hmm. you know? And so how, how did you persevere from that moment? I thought about quitting and I couldn't think of anything to quit too. You went back to the army and they rejected you. Yeah, I, I was like, I already done did this. I'm not going to full time now. And I, I was like, so what do I, do I want to leave New York? Do I want to, like, mm. what's next? And I could only see forward. When I looked back, there was nothing for me to go back to. So I just was like, I'm going to just enjoy making music and work. And hopefully... It, it'll work. And I went from saying, hopefully it'll work to it will work. I just have to keep going. And did you feel like, like, so first of all, I, I just still kind of experiencing what you just said about looking back, you know, and I think about my, I like my own life um, and moments where, yeah, I oftentimes felt like, no, there isn't anything back there and how that, 
seems really like a scary place, but again, that's like a one of those like bad things, things that we label as bad, but might be good. Um, because if you had a really comfortable life, let's say your mama had a huge house and you had, you know, you came from a shit ton of money and, uh, you know, you could go back to a to something, you know, a family business or whatever, then you might not have considered moving forward. Um, so I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious what, what did looking forward, what did you see when you look forward? What, what, did you have a vision in mind or did you just feel like I can't stop? I gotta keep going. I had a vision in mind. The vision was me, um, not having to work a job and living um, from the fruit of my craft solely, right? Mm. I could see that, but everything between me and that was blurry to me. I had no manager. I had no team. I had um, I had a lot of no's. <laughs> but the only yes I had was myself. So when I started to respect myself, and when I started to honor myself and I started to respect and honor my craft, because you have to respect and honor both. You have to respect and honor the gift and yourself. When I started to do both, there was a balance within me that took me to the next level. And out of when I started to um, like have shows in my, my living room in Brooklyn and just inviting my friends, and two and three people would come and I would perform to those two and three people like it was two and three million people. <laughs> God honored that. What what does respecting yourself look like? Mm. Not beating yourself up when you admire someone else for what they do. Not beating yourself up for, for not being as good as them. Mm. And being where you are and knowing that you will grow from where you are. That's really, that's really beautiful. That's really beautiful. I had to stop doing that because when I would look out into the, the music industry, I was like, I kind of want to be one of the, you know, one of the top. But when I look mm -hmm. on the, in the industry in music, I don't see any people that's at the top that are um, dark skinned. Mm. So I had to rearrange, rearrange that type of thinking and remove that insecurity from the front of my mind, at least to the back, because I don't want that to be a stain in my music. And you, you hear songs from me like, they don't want me because I'm skin. Oh, but they want my melanin. Like, it sounds like... Yo, it's like, where's the power at? Like, let me just show up and be what I be. Not even be what I am. Let me show up and be what I be. Well, come on. We all know them songs. It's like, okay. They need therapy. Okay. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> My I ain't mean to throw you off, girl. I, ain't mean to throw you off. <laughs> I just got the song stuck in my head now. Um, <laughs> so, 
I, I like the idea of you performing in your living room and just the idea of doing doing what you can with what you have, you know, and really uh, bringing your full self. Um, I, I think about the folks that will be listening to this and, and I hope what they receive from what you're saying is that, is that we have, we have what we need to, to, to live the life that we want. And it first starts with a kind of gentleness for ourselves and a kind of care and respect for what it, whatever it is that we do at whatever scale we do it, you know? And when you honor yourself and, and whatever thing that you feel like you've been called to do in your life at that moment, when you honor it, by bringing your fullest self that and 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 the and and allow for the people around you to receive that gift um then then something magic happens that there's there's some kind of flow and alignment that happens at, that you lock into and so you are having these performances you are creating music from this place and did you did you have a a moment when you got some good news and you're like so excited to to feel like there was like a like a break like a little hey this this could be something i i just got this magical bit of news mm. i got a call from this artist and he had asked me did i want to go on tour and i was like hell yeah like without even thinking, he was like, "Okay, I'm a, I'm setting everything up. We're gonna do a um, it's a big tour over thirty cities." And um, he gave me the dates, and I was looking at the dates, and I was like, "Yo, I'm about to quit my job." Now at this time, I had came up on some you know some money. I was working in corporate, <laughs> so watch out. You know, I was buying, I was going to IKEA every week, buying plants that was dying. Cause I didn't know what I was doing at the time. You know, I had a nice bed spread, had a nice, you know, um, plates and stuff in the, in the cabinet. So you couldn't tell me nothing at that time. Cause I was getting that corporate check. Um, so I'm like, yo, I would have to give up. I just got comfortable. Mm. Like I, I, I've only been working here three years. I just got comfortable. Like I'm gonna have to quit this job. And I was willing to quit the job. And I did. And I, wow. I went on. That was some of the best news. That I remember that time. It was some of the best times I, I ever had just walking down the street knowing what I was about to embark on. And what was that experience like? What was that first tour like being on stage and and now not just performing in your living room, but but now performing in, in places maybe you hadn't been to before in front of audience that may or may not have been familiar with your music. So you really, you know, it's not like you, people heard everything about you and, and were, I mean, probably there's probably some people in the audience that are able to kind of sing your lyrics, but you're introducing yourself, you know, to a lot of people. And what is that experience like when you are being honest and, and sharing space with folks for the first time, in your career. Yeah. It was amazing. The tour lasted one day. <laughs> yeah. I quit my job. I moved out of my apartment, sold all of my no. stuff away. No. Gave away my cat. No. So a stranger to keep. 
I still ain't got my cat back because she she's done adapted to them. She's killing birds and stuff now. I just say keep the damn cat. So I gave up everything to go on tour for a day. Oh no, Samo, that's no, that's. Yeah, that I know is... you thought it was going to be a, a chariot <laughs> and on a white horse. Yeah, one of the wheels broke on the chariot. I know I sound mad, y'all, but I'm not mad no more. I'm in a place of peace. <laughs> oh, God. that <laughs> That's heartbreaking. So what the heck happened? That's, you can't just leave that story right there. You got to pick it up and tell us what the heck happened. Were you able to get that job? <laughs> Join us next week while I will tell you all about what happened in my strange life. Yo, so... I did, I did get paid. I did get paid what was in my contract. Lord have mercy. Yeah, it was it was crazy. The, it was a lot of miscommunication and a lot of the venues weren't booked, so we didn't have anywhere to perform. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Did you stay in New York? Did you did you leave? Yeah, I stayed at um one of my my team members' house for a good little while shout out to um ramaya um i I laid on her couch my print is probably still on her couch my whole body (laughs) print probably still on her couch um yeah that was a time oof oof that was a time i didn't get the job back because i knew i couldn't go back right not even like they wouldn't hire me back it was just something said don't, don't, just keep moving forward. Right, right. God, that's, that is, uh, yeah. I really appreciate you sharing those kinds of stories because our life and the journey that we're on is never a straight line. It's always so meandering. There's so many things that go left and right and dip down. And, um, it's really hard to to stay focused and and to keep hope, um, keep hope alive. Um, what I feel like this is something that I appreciate about Kanye West. I heard this story about him once, and I don't know, maybe you've heard it too, about how he went to Virgin, uh, the Virgin store, the Virgin mega store, whatever it was called. Do you remember this? Do you know the story? Mm-mm. Okay, so anyways, just before he dropped his very first album, call it Dropout, mm-hmm. he goes to the like the record store and goes up and down the escalator three or four times. And his people were like, What are you doing? You know, you just keep going up and down the escalator. And he's like, Well, no, like I know my life is gonna be different. I'm not gonna be able to do this. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna get used to just this. I just want to do this because I don't think I'll be able to do this ever again. And to have that level of confidence and self-realization. Um, and yes, he probably like, you know, has other challenges and demons, but, but to have that kind of clarity about your purpose, about where you're going to end up in your life, you have to have that in a small way when you are laying on your friend's sofa and you're 
tour lasts for a day and you can't go back to the job that you were like, bye guys, mm-hmm. I'll see you blowing up <laughs> juices, slapping people, like, you know, giving high fives and, and you can't go back to that job. It's not, it's not an option really. And, and so, you know, how, how did you keep your mentality and, and your sense of self kind of in check during a really difficult time? I kept it, um, how I always did. I was outside one day around maybe six years old. We had this thing called field day. And I remember I had on an orange sweatshirt. It was in the fall, orange sweatshirt, black jeans and some white sneakers. And I got this random download. I call them downloads from heaven. I got this random download and I just felt like I am not like any body around me right now you ever seen somebody like kirking out or tweaking out you like yo you need to relax <laughs> like that was me in that moment i was like i don't think like that's when i started questioning like i don't think i'm human or what if i'm human and these people are aliens and they don't think that i know that they aliens like i questioned everything and that's when i knew like there's something special about me not that anybody else special but i know for me what I feel on the inside of my body, there's something special about me. And I don't think these people know it. But one day they will know. Or I'll be in a room um, and I'll be like, just in the room, nobody's talking to me. And I'll randomly get this thought. It might, might be my ego or my higher self talking, but I'll be like, these people don't even know that they're talking to one of the greatest of all times. <laughs> and it's, it, usually I wouldn't even tell nobody this story. Um, but that's literally what I have done or, but I've also done it to other people. Like I'll be talking to them and I'll end up telling them like, yo, you're going to, hopefully you remember me saying this, but you're one of the greatest of all time with what you do. And it's an honor to be able to talk to you now. And just, just remember this, just remember me telling you this and it's happened. Wow. Wow. So I understand that escalator joint because. Um, being noticed by people is, um, I had a girl come up to me recently. She was like, oh my God, hey, can I get a hug? And I was like, <laughs> during COVID? <laughs> and <laughs> you're like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> how how have you been uh, dealing with the pandemic? Where are you quarantining? How How is that? impacted you know being able to do live performances and and all of that for you for me as a a artist it's just taking me back to my roots in the living room Mm. i've done three virtual shows one of which that was like free to everybody and i had a you know i had a ball it was fun i haven't missed a meal thank god Amen. I've yeah. always had somewhere to uh, sleep at night. So, and I've had my health. Me and right. My family. So that's the right. most important thing to me. Going on tour is cool, but being sick. Uh, yeah, you, you, yeah, you can't, the world stops if, if you're sick, you know, and, and you can't do anything. So it is a blessing. I'm, I'm happy to hear that your family's well and that you're doing well. Um, I 
guess I we're at the last question. This is such a bummer. I feel like you're my friend now. I, I'm just gonna claim it. You're I my friend. The same way. I was gonna say that while ago. I was like, I want to jump the gun. You know, just we just meeting. You know what I'm saying? I want to, you know, because I can be dramatic. I can be a little dramatic. You know. I feel like we're friends now, and so that's that. Um, my sofa is always open to you. I live in Paris. I don't know if I know it. We didn't talk about that. I know you're based in New York. I'm based in Paris. Um, and, and I know you haven't been out here yet to perform, but so looking forward, I'm an American, uh, black American girl that, that lives in Paris and, um, and yeah, I, I know the, the folks here would love to have you. Um, I guess it's, yeah, time for the last question. I end every interview with this one question. Um, what is something that you've had to unlearn, like a, a word that really served you at one point in your life that just no longer serves you? That's a real good question. Yeah, I just, th there have been so many times because I, I, I've always felt like I like knew not knew it all, but like I was always like a mature kid. Mm -hmm. And I remember like getting on my soapbox and like talking to my, like scolding my parents at like 17 about like why they should stop eating meat and crazy shit like that. And telling like immigrant Ethiopian parents what to do is kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's a no, no. Um, but I, but I remember like just constantly thinking like that I knew more and then rem remembering like the moment where I like, oh, wait, that was some bullshit. And I was really the way I was acting in that moment or, or the thing that I thought like that I figured out, actually I have yet to figure out, you know? Um, so I'm always curious with people that are obviously like trying to, to work on themselves and evolve. Like what are the, some of the old thoughts that just don't serve your, your current state of being? Hmm. Thinking that I know what's best for people just because I'm mm. a good person. That, that's my, that was my thing. And, um, uh, that's actually, uh, in a weird way, could be kind of um, manipulative towards people. Right. And even though my intentions are good, I was still being controlling in a way. Right. And when things didn't go my way or didn't go the way I felt they should go in my own life, I felt like I had to go to other people versus going to myself. It kind of backfired on me. Oh. So instead of um, when I felt like, oh, man, I don't know what to do. Instead of just taking time to think about it, I would always call somebody. I wouldn't even pray about it and ask God. I would just always call somebody. And now I'm I'm in a place where I tell people, listen, the answers are within you. Just take time to be silent and you will hear them. Versus people always coming and like, you should come to me because I'm a good person and I know it. Right, right, right. You're absolutely right that 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 when when you're really being honest, it's like that is a kind of control, you know, that is a kind of control. Um, yeah, I, I just uh, I just finished reading Michelle Obama's 
book becoming. And I probably is like the last human being uh, uh, on the planet. It's like the number one selling autobiography. Anyways, and uh, she she describes this relationship with a really, really close friend of hers. I think they went to college together. And this this um, particular friend graduates from an Ivy League school with a Michelle Obama and has like you know, she's, she's supposed to have like a high paying job at a corporate like law office or whatever. And she says like deuces to all that to travel. And Michelle kind of, or Miss Obama, I don't know Michelle. <laughs> Mrs. <laughs> you feel like you know her though, right? You know, you know, it's like, that's my home girl, yeah. but she ain't my home girl. Uh, First lady, Michelle Obama, uh, you know, she, she describes just being really judgmental of her friend, like, you know, like you're really being irresponsible. You got those student loans, you know, you got family depending on you need to go and make that money. And then that friend uh, ends up getting like a, a rare kind of cancer and 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 dies like, I don't know, uh, two years after she did this like big big trip in in southeast asia mm. and and michelle talks about like the the kind of guilt around the judgment of thinking that you know what's best for somebody else in their life uh despite the fact that you do it with love and 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 this is somebody that you really care about and so you 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 assume that what you're saying to them is the what's best for them but again you don't you don't have the sense of the time in their own life so so being kind of humble about about what you think you know is is I think one of one of her biggest kind of aha moments where it's like wait like I really I really could have fucked that up for my friend if she had listened to me I really could have harmed her you know and so yeah it is it is a kind of control and it's it's um it's interesting that you 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 said that because I think oftentimes we think that it's our intention that matters the most. I'm a good person. I like, I love you. I obviously want what's best for you. So therefore, you know, take this advice. Listen to me. Uh, right. Right. But, but I, I find that the, the people that end up being in my life for really long sustained ways, uh, have always redirected me back to myself it's like mm. when you try to ask someone like describe like what what is it like to be in love and they'll and they say to you like you just know and you're like no wait could you just actually describe it technically like what does it feel like in your body and they're like no no you will know and that way of like saying like no go inwards no 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 it's not it's not out here it's like it's in there you know that's that's really really beautiful um Samo, I am so, so thankful for our time together. Thank you for being so generous with your time and spending an hour with me. Um, you didn't know about me or my little podcast, and I'm so, so grateful um, to have been able to share this moment with you. Um, thank you, and I hope I hope I get to see you live uh, as soon as the world opens up again, and, and I just wish you more success. Thank you. Likewise. Bless thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>